Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Gisela Aguiar. Come walk with me through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ as told by Mark in his gospel. We'll journey with the Savior to the cross and celebrate the good news of his true salvation. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in faith, hope, joy, and peace. And the world can use more of that right now, don't you think? Let's dig in. Mark 11. Jesus, Messiah, Savior, and King shows his authority, Jerusalem. Known as Jesus' triumphal entry, or Palm Sunday, Jesus finally arrives in Jerusalem. His time has come. Today, Palm Sunday triggers the start of Holy Week as devout Christians walk where Jesus walked to the cross, then to the resurrection. We need to remember that each event of this week fulfilled Old Testament Bible prophecies. Let's dig in. So let's look at some of the prophecies for this day, going all the way back to Genesis. We first have the blessings that Jacob gave to his sons and grandsons before he died. This was around 1859 BC, before Christ. The one we highlight here is to Judah. Remember, there's 12 tribes. So Judah was the tribe of Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus Messiah. Starting, so we're in um, Genesis 49, starting in verse 8. Judah. Your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. He ties his foal to a grapevine. The cult of his donkey is a choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. And that's Genesis 48, starting in verse 9. And I've done a study on the book of Genesis, so click on over my blog and check it out. Now note the prophetic descriptions for the Messiah. First, we have grasps enemies by the neck. Now that foretells Jesus' victory over Satan. That's not quite yet happened. That's, that, you can find that in the book of Revelation. Then his relatives will bow before him. Now all the Jews will bow down. Messiah is called the Lion of Judah. The scepter, King Jesus. The cult of his donkey, well, that's coming up. Uh, <laughs> um, the blood of grapes. That's his death on the cross. Not bad for a prophecy from 1859 BC. Then we have Psalm 118, written in 979 BC. And we're starting in verse 25. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Next, we have the prophet Zechariah, who wrote in 520 BC, and we'll be studying this book shortly, so subscribe so you don't miss out. 
Zechariah 9.9, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And there's more, Isaiah 56.7, written in 711 BC. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And Jeremiah 7.11, written in 627 BC. Don't you yourselves admit that this temple, which bears my name, has become a den of thieves? Surely I see all the evil going on there. I, the Lord, have spoken. And now we see how these prophecies were fulfilled. Mark 11, Jesus' triumphal entry. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Beth, Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say the Lord needs it and will return soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said that Jesus had told them to say what, I'm sorry. They said what Jesus had told them to say and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the, and the people all around him were shouting, praise God, Hosanna, which means save now, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, praise God in the highest heaven. And that was from Psalm 118. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. And after looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. Jesus curses the fig tree. Verse 12. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in, the, in, the, in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Jesus clears the temple, verse 15. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. 
Peter remembered that Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day, and, and what, I'm sorry, Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown to the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, but if, uh, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone who you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. The authority of Jesus challenged. Again, they entered Jerusalem. As Jesus was walking through the temple area, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right to do them? I tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question, Jesus replied. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? Answer me. They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe John. But do we dare say it was merely human? For they were afraid of what the people would do because everyone believed that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. That was Mark 11. Oh, there's a lot to ponder here. So King Jesus came riding in, not on a war horse like most kings, but on a donkey's colt. When kings rode on donkeys, it signified they were coming in peace. The disciples put their cloaks on, on the colt like a saddle for Jesus to sit on them. Then the people threw their cloaks on the ground or garments before him. He got the red carpet treatment. I wonder if Bartimaeus went back to grab the cloak he shed to, to place it before the king. And remember, Bartimaeus was the guy that Jesus gave his sight to, his blind guy. And Jesus, um, that's what he wanted. He wanted to see. And um, Jesus um, healed him. That's in yesterday's post. Now, the people who shouted blessings and praised God were the same people who a few days later would be shouting, crucify him. The Jews misunderstood and refused to accept that he came to save, not to conquer. They wanted to mold Jesus into what they thought the king of the Jews should be. Now, why did Jesus curse the fig tree? Well, he had to know that it was not in season. Pastor Sandy Adams explains. Quote, most fruit trees sprout leaves first, then fruit. But a fig tree is opposite. Fruit appears before the leaves. When Jesus saw this tree had leaves but no figs, he cursed its future. Understand in Jewish literature, the fig tree was a symbol for Israel. What Jesus does here with the fig tree was a metaphor for the nation. He saw Israel as a fruitless fig tree. It was full of foliage. The Jews were uber religious, but there was no real spiritual fruit. And this parable helps us understand the last 2000 years of Jewish history. Jesus came to Israel looking for fruit and all he found was religious leaves. As a result, spiritually speaking, Israel was withered and barren. 
That again is from Pastor Sandy Adams. And if you want to click on over to my blog, which the link is in the show notes, you can listen to his whole uh, message on um, this chapter. Here's another commentary on this passage from the Gospel according to Mark, part six, and you can find that in the free Version Bible app. Um, quote, personally, I interpret the story as a warning against legalism as well, which is all about trying to manufacture a form of godliness by following rules and religious traditions and putting up appearances. Legalism can never produce the fruit of the spirit. Only he can do as we seek him earnestly and put away false pretenses. That's by Rob Nyman, again in the Gospel of Mark, part six. Um, and if you want the link to um, that Bible study, click on over to my blog. Oh, continuing. So the temple that should have been a solemn house of prayer, sacrifices and worship, turned into a marketplace, a den of thieves. So we had the money changers. So the Jews had to pay a temple tax. However, it could only be paid in shekels. People came from all over with coins from different places. The money changers overcharged the people to exchange their cones for shekels. The sacrificial lambs and goats had to be spotless without blemishes. Unscrupulous merchants, quote unquote, Examine the animals prior, um, be, I'm sorry, <laughs> unscrupulous merchants examined the animals people brought with them and found a blemish, whether it was there or not. That way they could sell them a spotless lamb or, or goat or animal. Now the doves were the sacrifice of the poorest people and they were taking advantage of them by charging too much, hence the den of thieves. The next day, when they passed the fig tree that Jesus cursed, they found it had withered from the roots up. Now, this signifies a lot. Okay, so the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, teachers of religious law, the Sanhedrin, all of them were rotten to the core. If the roots of a plant or tree are rotten, the disease will spread to the rest of the plant or tree and it will no longer bloom or produce fruit. Likewise, if the teachers are rotten, false teachers and prophets, the teachings will spread. They spread will also be rotten and no one will be fruitful. You'll only be easily led astray. Then Jesus provides four steps to build solid roots by getting the right spiritual nourishment. Put your faith in God alone, not man. Have no doubts in your heart. Sincerely pray about everything with the right attitude and he will answer your prayers. Forgive, like it says the Lord in the Lord's Prayer, that's found in Matthew 6. Forgiveness will hinder your progress. Um, uh, un, I should say unforgiveness will hinder your progress as well as your relationship with Christ. Jesus was in his proper area of authority. Nevertheless, the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, felt he was usurping their territory. They were threatened by him. Thus, they tried to trap him by questioning him on his authority. Jesus, as he did so well, responded with a question turning the tables. His cleverness kept them quiet. So ponder this, have you sought to make Jesus conform to your idea of what a savior or king should be? If so, how? Paul wrote, Christ is supreme. And this is in the book of Colossians, chapter one, starting in verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created 
and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything uh, in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased in, I'm sorry, excuse me. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Have you made peace with Jesus? Well, you know, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. And he told us in Revelation 3.20, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's Revelation 3.20. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Let him in. What are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and the confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog, click where it says, how to invite Jesus into your heart. And in the bottom of today's blog, I embedded this song. that I absolutely love it. It was so funny because we had it in, um, uh, our band sang it in church this morning. And on my way home, they played it on the radio. So this is like, okay, I've got to include it in today's blog. It's called Child of Love. It's an upbeat song and it's wonderful. Um, and I also have my testimony because this, it turns out this song so describes my life. <laughs> exactly. So you got to go check it out. Click on the blog link. It's in the show notes. Soli there, Gloria. To God alone be the glory. If you're a born-again believer helping a Catholic friend or family member start reading the Bible, it's a great idea to give them one. But which version or translation would be a good one for them? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. And I know many evangelical Christians are very much attached to the King James Version. That's fine if that's what you grew up with. Remember, Catholics have grown up with priests and nuns telling them they don't need to read the Bible. All they have to do is trust the church to teach them what they need to know, only they don't, and that's the problem. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and thous and stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version, or the NIV, And that was the best for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New King James Version, or NKJV, and the New Living Translation, the NLT. I'm now an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen three study Bibles that will be a great gift for that Catholic or progressive friend whom you'd like to help get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. They are also a great, they're also great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. 
And by the way, all commissions will be donated to one or more of the Bible translating ministries listed on my site. So give the gift of the word of God and help spread the word while you're at it. Are you a born-again Christian with Catholic friends or family members? Have you struggled with how to bring up the truth of Jesus' salvation? I had the same problem, so I put together a free ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Our Backyards. It's a guide to help you start the conversation and plant the seed that will get them thinking, am I missing something? Check it out. It's a free download on my website. You'll find the link in the show notes. Oh, please. Let me know if it helped you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24:14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.